0: chief of breitbart news and this is the breitbart news daily podcast we begin today's show with first a quick recap of where i've been over the last few days traveling promoting the my son hunter movie and then we get into president biden's speech from hell why did he do it what were his goals did he accomplish any of them why does he hate his fellow countrymen so much all this gets touched upon in the opening also in the opening we give you the latest on the uk's new prime minister more biden bucks probably headed for ukraine california's green dystopia and another kamala harris embarrassment plus much more My Son Hunter star Lawrence Fox is our guest today he brilliantly captures Hunter Biden in the new film My Son Hunter out tomorrow at mysonhunter.com is also a deeply committed anti-woke warrior who's knowledgeable on a variety of subjects both cultural and political it's truly one of my favorite interviews we've done all year and you won't want to miss it if he doesn't convince you to watch the film nothing will. We also have a caller of the day, Mike from Florida. We'll hear from him as well. Let's get into it. was traveling last week promoting the movie my son hunter which is available tomorrow mysonhunter.com there are two important reasons to get the movie and i will give you some news updates on it momentarily the first is that it's good you will like it uh it's entertaining and it's funny and it's good time and second of all you uh, uh, would be supporting a new initiative at breitbart which will if successful will allow me to do more new initiatives and if unsuccessful will make it much more difficult to do new initiatives. So uh, we're trying to create an ecosystem where conservatives spend their money, not just on woke crap, but on stuff where they are, have products that are made by conservatives for conservatives. And uh, so that's what we're doing. So um, if you don't like that idea, then I am utterly confused, utterly confused. So I am asking for your help though. uh, It is the reward is uh, you really, All you have to lose is that uh, you would not be enjoying yourself for a little bit while you relearn some of the greatest hits of Hunter Biden in the Biden family. And uh, it's just it's artistically very well done by Robert Davi, the director. And I was traveling the country with Robert uh, last week, and he was just uh, he was he was sensational to hang out with. He's just a Hollywood legend. Um, we talked a lot of Die Hard with people. We talked a lot of whether it's a Christmas movie. That was a, tough, a, a frequent topic of conversation. We talked about whether or not he's the best Bond villain of all time. Uh, that was a significant topic of conversation as well. Um, we talked quite a bit about cult movies because he starred in The Goonies. We talked a lot about Frank Sinatra because he travels the world singing Frank Sinatra songs. Uh, And uh, on and on and on and just a larger than life figure and someone who is definitely well worth your support, not to mention the rest of the cast uh, Lawrence Fox, who those of you who read Breitbart know that he is a a very, very committed conservative activist, not just a uh, thespian with a legendary uh, theater family from the UK. And uh, Gina Carano, who famously was canceled from the Star Wars uh, franchise, et cetera, because she was, um, you know, said uh, the very common opinions that were right of center. So, plus much more, plus much more. Um, and that is uh, tomorrow, mysonhunter.com. Lawrence Fox will be on the show today, later on. And for the live show, Christina Wong, Dan Gaynor, Oliver Lane will be here. Oliver Lane will be talking about the new prime minister all that is coming up ahead on the broadcast um let's begin oh yeah i will tease a couple other things and share a couple other things uh i have a big story coming out today at bright turning in i've kind of gotten a it's gotten away from me a little bit in terms of it's becoming a longer read but i wanted to write about some of what i think are the most important hunter biden stories um thus far and things that mostly at Breitbart I think one or two of them are non-Breitbart stories but things that kind of get you jacked up for the movie and it's pretty excellent so any of you who like to follow anything I write that will be coming up later today at Breitbart News and one other thing is that I'm popping up a lot of different places in terms of media so I might be on one of your favorite media shows uh, I was on I know John Solomon's TV show, which I think either aired, I think aired yesterday, that should be out there for you. Um, the big one, though, was I was on T- Tim Poole's podcast, that Tim Cass is one of the most popular uh, YouTube shows. It's I think it's top 20 YouTube shows, period, not just political stuff. Um, and that was pretty fun because that's like a two-hour long-form thing. I was on with Robert in a journalist named Lauren Southern, who's probably familiar to some of you, especially younger people. So that was really, really fun, and um, it's good to go do, do some deep dives. It's nice when people can finish a sentence, which is not often the case on uh, television, for example, and some other places as well. I'll try to remind you of the highlights as I think of them. All right, uh, let's get into some of the news. I, I guess I will start by mentioning Biden's speech from hell, uh, even though it was a few days old, but typically I comment... On that stuff, and it's important for me to comment on it. I play a lot of clips. Um, We, of course, couldn't do this because I was on the road last week. If you want to hear most of my commentary, I was on Tim Pool's podcast while that was happening, so you get a lot of my real-time reaction. If you you can get on iTunes or YouTube, the best ways to get it. Um, But so if you really want some detail on that, you can. But I will come up. I will note a couple of things. In it that I do think that uh, he does have a unique ability to divide the country for a guy that is supposed to be a unifier and ran uh, for for election on three principles, shutting down the coronavirus, having the economy roaring back. And unifying the country. I think he's failed in all of them, but in order to unify the country, certainly the worst, because he can barely unify his own party. Uh, any of his significant pieces of legislation thus far have been passed along party lines. He has no Republican support whatsoever. And framing it as though these extreme MAGA Republicans, which he doesn't define, but you could presume his definition of it is actually uh that anyone who just supports trump i mean there's really no difference he doesn't really do a good job distinguishing between your typical trump voter someone who just doesn't like the democrats maybe likes conservative judicial picks uh, maybe doesn't love all the crazy tweets that Trump sends out or used to send out, but for the most part still supports Republican policies. He doesn't really distinguish between that group of people uh, that vote for Trump and those who, you know, show up at, at uh, rallies with MAGA hats and Trump hats on. He doesn't really do it. He just acts as though the extreme MAGAs are very violent, but what are these incidences of violence that he's referring to? Um, presumably, he's only talking about January the 6th. So why do we need to talk about that right now? Because he does make it seem as though this is he it's an imminent threat, the MAGA violence. But we're only thinking of one incident where they stormed the Capitol and only one person died. It was a Trump supporter who was killed by law enforcement or well, one person was killed. Others died of natural causes um, during that time. So that is the, the, the initial premise, if you even accept that there's a, there's a legitimate premise to begin with. And many people don't, because if you look at the optics of the speech with the red background and the military flanking Biden in the background, all, all of this is just it is very fascistic and it, it's almost demonic. And that was the word that we use on the front page at Breitbart, that uh, a a dark Biden was demonic. And they're trying to pawn this off as it was some sort of a, he's some sort of an epic guy, he's dark Brandon, which is the left's attempt to meme um, all the let's go Brandon jokes. But he came off as totally totally insane, as you guys know. And I, I don't disagree with that assessment at all. Um, and it was the, we've been calling it the speech from hell. It's a nod to the laptop from hell. But it was also that he looked like he's giving a speech from the fiery pits of hell. And he's just trying to sow this division. So I, my, my most interesting take on this uh, and one where I think I might potentially differ from other opinions you've heard on it is that I'm just curious what the polling numbers have shown. And I'm curious if he really does think that there is no hope to unify the country, that his only hope for electoral salvaging um, the Senate, which is, you know, the House is over 90 percent, I think, to go to Republicans, um, despite the clear momentum shifting from the red wave um, is in, in the November election, just two months away, by the way, as you well know is to motivate his base and that his base is not motivated and trying to get those people off of the sidelines. So obviously this speech is not going to convince any Trump supporter to back Biden like getting yelled at by a, a dictator like old um, shouty man. He is shouted the whole time. he He can't control the the pitch or volume of his voice at this point. It seems like he, he at least sometimes does the thing where he does the whisper. And then he does a really big booming voice because he thinks that's how you give a speech. But this one was all the booming voice. It was just he just screaming the whole time. So um, that was it in a nutshell, but he had me suggesting that you need to respect political differences, you know, aside from anyone who disagrees with me. If you disagree with Biden at all, then, you know, you don't get any respect. He attacked. But I'm just curious what the calculation is. And there's only a couple of ways to think it through. Is it One is that he's got polling that suggests he needs to motivate his base. And that's going to be the best thing for him. And then there's another suggestion that uh, this was just a total airball, which is possible. Which is possible. One of the reasons that, that makes me think maybe this is just a total airball, meaning that they thought this would work, and of course it's not going to, it's pretty much been universally panned online. Um, is because historian John Meacham was involved. He was one of the architects behind the speech, um, and he is the one who framed MAGA as a threat to America. That was his his framing. Um, John Meacham is, has a book called The Soul of America, The Battle for a Better Angels, he wrote in 2018. Um, and is, so this is all part of his theme. That was the theme of Biden's speech other than talking about democracy over and over and over and over and over again, which he mentioned over 30 times, even though we live in a constitutional republic, of course. But uh, those of you who read Breaking the News know that maybe my favorite little snippet of the book is um, uh, about John Meacham, who wrote a speech for Biden and then um, praised the speech as a talking head is a pundit on MSNBC and didn't disclose to MSNBC that he'd written the speech. So I have to say, I do feel like it's some of my best writing in the book. So if you have the book, I, w- I would flip through to that portion. It's in the I think it's toward the end of the MSNBC chapter. But uh, uh, John Meacham is a very smug individual who has extremely radical far left ideas, but he delivers them in a very professorial way. He delivers them as if there's almost no disagreeing with him. He's so well-spoken and clearly thought through and well-researched and well-read. You couldn't possibly disagree with him, but his generic anti-MAGA talking points, which he delivers for, for was he was paid to do it. He actually, I think, did get fired over this, if memory serves. But he writes the speech and then opines on how great a speech it is without telling the people that MSNBC had written it. That's pretty cool, right? That's a level of hubris that... um, probably uh, impress Joe Biden. So but that does make me think that perhaps it was just a total misfire. Uh, Mark Milley, who is chairman of Joint Chiefs, he did not uh, comment on the use of military to boost Joe Biden uh, on the speech, which is supposed to uh, uh, is uncouth, You're not supposed to do it. So oh, happy with military being used to attack MAGA Republicans. Biden continued to suggest that there's violent and extremist MAGA uh, Republicans are a big threat to America. No, nothing like this said about Chinese, the Iranians, anyone who's actually a violent threat to this country. Uh, that's the, he'll never give a speech like that. The, the biggest violent threat are you guys, people in this audience. Most of you driving to work. Some of you probably pay six figures in taxes. You know, you're going to work today. You're gonna. You're gonna. Uh, you, you're going to have a third of your money maybe more siphoned off for the government to pay taxes some of it will go to your state some will go to federal government uh, you might go to lunch today you'll have a sales tax you'll pay for that and you'll probably go home maybe go home to your house and then you'll have a tax for that um if you die they'd like to take some more taxes out of you for that but all of you are just violent extremist threats to the country non-stop taxation non-stop socialism in this country Nonstop wealth redistribution for Biden's stupid programs. But all of you just violent extremists. That's all you do, you don't do anything productive. Uh, Jay Johnson, the former Homeland Security Secretary uh, for Barack Obama, shows up at MSNBC and said Biden had an obligation to call out MAGA Republicans' temptation toward violence. It's as if we didn't just witness the summer of rage, which I documented at Breitbart.com. Over hundred instances. Uh, violence against conservatives and Christians over Roe versus Wade being overturned. It's as if we in the summer of love in 2020 where Black Lives Matter torched cities, described as mostly peaceful. I have to say, during the speech, there were some FJB chants, and you know what I mean by FJB. And I normally don't like that stuff because I think it backfires, but I didn't hate it in this instance. I have to admit, didn't hate it. He deserved it. Biden said, you can't love your country only when you win. was one of his lines. You can't love your country only when you win. Reminded me quite a bit of Michelle Obama saying that the first time that she loved her country was when Barack Obama won. Right. For the first time in my adult life, I'm really proud of my country and not just because Barack has done well, but because I think people are hungry for a change after racking up some primary wins against Hillary Clinton. I just wonder sometimes if they're trolling. I wonder if we're not giving them enough credit. They're just trying to irritate us. But we have to use that motivation, drive, drive us to get uh, people registered. Biden tried to walk back his speech, sort of. He said, I don't consider any Trump supporter to be a threat. Which, of course, is the, the truth. He doesn't really consider you guys to be a threat. He's just trying to, uh, he's just trying to get his base motivated to go out and vote. Maybe what he's trying to do is try to get one crazy manga person to commit some violence so that he could talk about it for a few years, like Charlottesville, which he uses the basis of him running for president. Another one where uh, one white guy killed one white woman, and that was used as enough violence to justify Joe Biden's entire presidential run. So, but then he went right back to trashing the MAGA agenda in a speech over the weekend as extremism that threatens the very foundation of our republic. It's as if they thought that we forgot that on MSNBC, Tiffany Cross, who is a commentator, said that we are in a civil war already. MSNBC declared we're in a civil war. And as far as we know there's no disciplinary actions taking place from that violent rhetoric by tiffany cross and she was over on over the weekend i made sure to figure out what she was up to and she said republicans are the biggest threat to democracy that was something she had said over the weekend hey but we're gonna have unity we have a lot of healing going on in this country democrat congressional campaign committee chairman congressman sean patrick maloney this election is about mainstream versus maga what do they want This us versus us versus them mentality weaponizing the government against all of you what are they how how well they think this is going to go i mean i I, you guys have heard me say a million times in the show i don't think we're near civil war i don't think it's happening but they certainly sound like they want it the us versus them stuff unwillingness to talk to people who they differ politically ideologically it used to be a deep satisfaction to be able to talk across the aisle now now the left is just no interest at all and the right is going to lose interest very quickly and then what happens when we can't talk it's going to be worse than talking talking is far better than us not talking do you guys not get that you guys get it right if we can't communicate one side of the aisle to the other then it's far 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 worse you can do the math what happens when people are un- unable to communicate All right, I'll give you an update on the Donald Trump raid. Melania Trump has reportedly bought a whole new wardrobe after the FBI contaminated her clothes during a -a Mar-a-Lago raid. I don't know if they did. Maybe they did. Maybe they sprayed something, which would be very costly. And it would be a shame because she's got a lot of great pieces. She's got a lot of great pieces in that wardrobe. Been thinking a lot about fashion lately. I was um, spending some time over the weekend um with Mrs. dr Marlowe, and i was talking about how men in particular have really lost the plot on on fashion a lot of slobby guys out there who don't need to be and uh, that was a big topic over the weekend it was um but melania had to buy a whole new wardrobe because the fbi contaminated it for what for 50 classified folders that had nothing in it so I think I came here after the stage classified documents photo, which is another embarrassment for the Bidens. I think I haven't got to say uh, how insane that was. They did that. They got these classified documents and they staged this photo to make it look dramatic. Well, 50 of the folders were empty, nothing in it. In the stage photo. Trump said that the DOJ, I'm sorry, the FBI did a deep and ugly search of Barron Trump's room. So either um, Trump was using Barron as a human shield for all the secrets he was going to sell to Kim Jong-un, or FBI is even sicker and more corrupt than we thought. I'll let you take your best guess. Guess. All right, other things that are going on for Labor Day, which was yesterday. Hope you had a good one, and I hope you had a nice, relaxing time. Um, John Binder noted for us that the feds annually outsource over half a million American jobs to foreign visa workers. So just know this, that when you're getting rhetoric from one side of the aisle, it does not mean that they're necessarily practicing what they preach. I'm doing a deep dive into BlackRock, which is the wokest company in the world. Um, They are the leaders of the ESG movement we've discussed on the show, led by a guy named Larry Fink, who is heavily invested in a lot of things that make China stronger, more powerful. And using America's green fad to uh, get a lot of publicity for himself in a positive way from from the left and the institutions um, and then if you look at what he's invested in he's invested in all the worst stuff you could do all the investment funds are not in the the unwoke they're in I'm, I'm sure they're not in woke stuff They're in a lot of it's in uh, unwoke stuff stuff that enables the things he ostensibly hates so they do a head fake on you so the left pays lip service to unions, they pay lip service to the blue collar of this country, watch Joe Biden do it, watch John Fetterman do it, and then their policies involve outsourcing half a million American jobs per year to foreign visa workers, which even though, you know, I'm not a zero immigration guy, and I do think that if you had a points-based system where you're importing people who really want to be here and can contribute to the tax base, that generally keeps us fresh and competitive, and I like that. Uh, Of course, it's abused, and of course, it drives down wages of Americans, and we've gone way too far in this regard, and the spokespeople on behalf of the workers who are self-appointed are the ones who are behind this exact policy, aside from the Republican establishment, which just does admit that they love the globalism, they submit to it. Um, I guess I skipped ahead. Another big th- item came out yesterday. Tr- uh, a judge granted Trump a bid for a special master document in the uh, document search. U.S. District Judge Eileen Cannon. And this is a new concept that I was just kind of boning up on over the weekend. Um, the Trump would file suit for this. And now one will be appointed. And this is, this is basically going to be a third party that's going to come in and is going to really slow the investigation, if not grind to a total halt by the DOJ. Um, it may mean to a massive delay, and a uh, and and CNN described it as introducing a layer of uncertainty and unpredictability. I think they're upset about it. But there has not been any ruling yet that any of the material should be returned to Trump. So I'll keep um try to explain this in more detail as time goes on. But the a lot of the reviews are, are gonna continue, like the intelligence review is gonna go on, um, and then there's gonna be other parts of the investigation are gonna be stopped completely. But I'm also wondering whether or not um oh and the judge was a Trump nominee, by the way. Um, but I'm wondering where this is going to go because I don't know how long Trump wants this to get drawn out. Maybe maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Because if this gets drawn out into 2024 and he's running for president, I, maybe he can seize the victim narrative, but it might end up not being helpful to him. Because you know what I want for Trump is I want Trump to start talking about the future. I would like for him to stop talking about 2020. He wants to talk about 2020 and some of his most loyal supporters want that as well. I don't. I want them to talk about 2024 and beyond. Um, So My Son Hunter stuff. Newsweek, I said My Son Hunter had got a standing ovation at a secret Hollywood screening. I could not attend. Um, I've been spending a lot of time out in California when it makes sense, but I have not been. I was uh, on the East Coast promoting the movie, so I didn't get to see it, but I heard it got very well reviewed. The Left Wing Guardian, which is a most popular left-wing paper in the UK, totally triggered by this. And said a, a quote, stop trying to make Hunter Biden conspiracy theories happen. They're still saying that all the stuff that was true on the laptop has been confirmed, even by places about New York Times, a conspiracy theory. The, the movie is rooted in facts. Uh, Robert Davi and the writer Brian Godawa do take some liberties in places where we don't know the answer. And we have to interpret it um, if we so choose tell a story. But the backbone of the movie, the plot, the dialogue, is rooted in stuff that actually happened. And we'll go through a lot of that for you this week at Breitbart News. But acting like it's all conspiracy theories, I just thought that was so delicious and delightful. Because it's not conspiracy theories at all. And I think people in the know, which is most people, not everyone, unfortunately, but most people get that. All right, we'll talk to Oliver Lane in a few minutes about Liz Truss, who's the next Prime Minister of the UK. Um, You'd be shocked to know our London Bureau does not think that um, she's going to be particularly conservative. Um, But, you know, they're probably more optimistic about her than just about any of the other candidates. Rishi Sunak, who is the next most vote-getter in the parliamentary system, is regarded as sort of an establishment guy, lockdown guy, globalist. All the bad stuff at Boris Johnson, um, Acolyte. So Liz Truss at least played a a, she talked a good game about governing as an actual conservative, as someone who actually supports anti-globalism policies, planning someone planning to have a tax cut. She's going to deliver on the energy crisis, she said, which we're learning is basically just uh, stop uh, sort of socialism, uh, limiting how much you could pay for energy bills which might be necessary because Europe's in a massive crisis that we'll talk about quite a bit going forward here. She said all the right stuff on the campaign trail, which made her maybe one of the more favorite of the candidates in the Brightboard audience, but that's not saying much. That's not saying much. And if you notice, and I'm sure you do at this point, there's been several unsuccessful conservative prime ministers because there's no real threat to them in terms of a major political party right now. They're pretty almost monopolistic in a way, at least in terms of uh, becoming prime minister so they just sort of cycle in whoever's new and then they end up doing the same stuff recall that boris johnson um rode a wave where he too had really impeccable rhetoric coming into the election in um when when he took over a few years back I guess it's three four years I guess and um, he didn't deliver much of his policies and he had some real severe lockdowns in the meantime he was very hypocritical during those lockdowns and now they're an energy crisis there so he does not have a lot of big successes joe biden has requested 13.7 billion more in aid for ukraine so the 40 billion dollars running out we don't know where it's being spent no one will explain it to us but um biden wants more California is having a flex alert, which means you're not supposed to charge your vehicles between 4 and 9 p.m. So they say they want to eliminate gas-powered cars, even though energy prices are skyrocketing all over the world. And now also, by the way, even though you've got your electric car now, you don't have your combustion engine, don't charge it between 4 and 9 p.m. Do you think perhaps there's an element of government control over this? perhaps maybe it's not just about greenness maybe it's about i don't know globalism socialism authoritarianism so you must have a electric car and by the way don't charge it during the uh, key part of the day where you would charge it isn't normally when you would charge it during the week you come home between four and nine and you plug in your car so it's ready for the morning but don't do it then do it later government says so Lori Lightfoot has blamed busing migrants to Sanctuary City, Chicago, as racist and xenophobic. She makes a Sanctuary City, and if you bus migrants in there, then that's racist and xenophobic. You know what's not racist and xenophobic? Migrants in Texas. That's not racist. Make Governor Abbott deal with it. Make him and deal with it. If those guys deal with it, then not racist. But if make Lightfoot deal with it, that's racist. If you're confused, then, you know, I, I, what can I say? You just must be some sort of an idiot. NASA has postponed their second attempt at the Artemis 1 launch due to the fuel leak that we had discussed um, last time. So that's two in a row. So another one for Kamala Harris, who can't seem to catch a break. And finally, last one for now, the Black Lives Matter executives uh, or an executive has been accused of siphoning $10 million from Black Lives Matter donors, a, a suit has set. So Black Lives Matter, we know, has a huge real estate portfolio. We know they've taken in tons of money and we don't know where it's going. It's certainly not going to cause the matter. We don't know what good Black Lives Matter has done other than raise awareness. But now a top executive accused of flat out stealing. 10 million dollars in a lawsuit using it as a personal piggy bank is what the accusation is and filed in the superior court of los angeles which is interesting to me because that is where a lot of these uh, interesting real estate deals have come up because hey la's had a resilient real estate market for whatever reason is a super interesting guy he comes from a family of thespians and he has been canceled he does not get the work he used to get and we get into this in the interview simply because he got the wrong politics he's a committed anti-woke warrior in the uk and uh, walks the walk and that made him the perfect combination to portray hunter biden not only is he the right age and the right kind of look and vibe uh, but he is a an actor who understands not just the politics, but the culture as well. He's an artist, and he's got a great vision, and hopefully, after tomorrow, we'll consider him a pioneer for hoping uh, for helping expand the conservative ecosystem of the arts. So My Son Hunter comes out on the 7th, as you all know, and I think Lawrence is very persuasive as to why you should check it out. Let's hear the interview. Lawrence, great to have you
1: on. How are you doing?
0: very well i want to talk to you about a lot of stuff but i for the audience who might not uh pay close attention to our london coverage where we've featured you for years for your political activism uh, could you share some of your background both uh, as a thespian and as a actor on screen and then also in terms of being a a rare outspoken person in the arts in the uk who's right of center
1: sure yeah i was um i was on I, I worked for 22 years as an actor and then um, in loads of different things. I was very lucky, had a really good career, and then uh, in about the beginning of 2020, I was invited on a um, on a political TV show in England, and uh, I was called a white privileged male that I wasn't allowed mm. to have an opinion because I was a white privileged male, and <laughs> I then said to the <laughs> member of the audience that. Them, so she should probably stop being a racist, and um, <laughs> then my my um, film career was then summarily ended uh, straight after that, and I was cancelled from work. So I thought I'd you know, use that time that they'd uh, that I'd involuntarily given to being given to uh, to start pushing back against the you know the woke movement which is taking over the West and uh, destroying everything that everyone fought for for all of these years.
0: Do you, what was it like for you when you started to kind of come out, so to speak, as someone who is anti-woke? It, was this, were people shocked, people who'd worked with you for decades and had uh, he praise on you and your family, etc.?
1: No, I mean, it, it, lots of people hold the same views as I do. I just am one of the few people that will is happy to say them. I mean, uh, you get to the point where there is just, there isn't an amount of money that will make you lie to, about things. You know, you've got to, at some point, you just have to stand up for your principles. Um, and it was getting to that point that I hadn't noticed, you know, I, I'd always said what I felt throughout my career. It's just uh, what was tolerable to be said became very quickly intolerable. You know, and uh, and it's continuing to be so now. It's getting worse and worse.
0: It it is getting worse and worse, and that has propelled you, I think, to start making some pretty interesting choices. One of them is uh, doing the My Son Hunter movie, which your involvement predates Breitbart's involvement, but you knew it was going to be something that a lot of the same people who you uh, correctly complain about in media, we're not going to like this movie, and it is a gamble career-wise, but in a way it's also since you put you in a position to be a pioneer. Uh, what is your hopes for the movie, and, and what's your hopes for maybe the possibility that it could be the beginning of a huge movement to create not just conservative art, but really art first that has themes that resonate with an audience like my
1: audience? Well, I think that most importantly, um, it is a good film. So that's the most important thing for me that, I, that I care about the, the most. Uh, and Robert Darby's done a, such a great job with it. And the rest of the cast are obviously fantastic. Um, I think that it, it, what you want out of it is you want an average Democrat, as well as, uh, you know, conservative minded people. You want your average Democrat, you know, to, to be able to watch it and, and not see it as this sort of very partisan political film it's actually you know it's 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 not particularly partisan it's just you know it's it's a story it's a it's just a gangster comedy about a um you know about the biden family you seem from what i can gather to be some of amongst the most corrupt of the powerful families in america
0: yeah, yeah, you nailed this. And uh, the you the two important points that I want to expand on. First of all, that you note that it's it's a good movie, and and it's it's a good movie first. And this has been my recommendation forever. That's why I think we got so excited about it at Breitbart. Is it's not political first; it's it's entertaining first. And I think the politics are largely on ones that this audience will find. Uh, a a comfort, but it's the, you know, we've John Nolte, our top film critic at Breitbart has long praised Oliver Stone and uh, for some of his wacky conspiracy left wing things he's done because he's good at making movies. And, and that's, and I think that's the premise that the right is not really understood until maybe this point that it has to start with a good piece of filmmaking, and then you can layer in the politics after
1: yeah and i think that people uh, the conservative side of the argument needs to get more focused on on you know saying that, that we believe in beauty and we believe in art yes. and we love these these things instead of Knocking, um, you know, obviously it's pretty hard to watch what's going on in the political arena, certainly Biden's speech certainly. the other day and things like that. You just watch with your mouth jawing the floor with what's happening politically. But conservatives are being pushed into a corner to the point where it's almost illegal to have a conservative viewpoint. In fact, it was uh, said uh, almost by Biden that uh, conservatism was it, what was uh, extremism so i think we've got to stand up for the, we've got to stand up for beauty and we, we have to stand up for the fact that we own we own a, a place in that discussion you know it's not just about uh, woke left wing uh, you know kind of unentertaining stuff We're sort of sort of moral, a lot of entertainment nowadays is just moral lecturing and we need to tell stories that uphold lift up uh, yeah. and, and and embolden our culture. You know, like films it, used to be made and Oliver Stone's an interesting example of that because you would have thought Oliver Stone would have jumped on this story with the wacky conspiracy theories as you yes. described them that he quite likes. But, you know, where was Hollywood? You, were, I would have thought in, in Hollywood, even of my life, You're time, so right. people would have been dying to make this film and yet what you'll find is that it's, um, you know, in, in the sort of monochromatic empty culture that we've been left with by this woke mob, that, that people will try and just criticise it. So I think the most important message is it's a really good funny film and that's the most important thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that was why I was really uh, a vocal advocate for Breitbart to get involved uh, when we did was specifically because it's a good funny film. First, it, it is not about the issues. The issues are very favorable for us. But that's not the point. The point is, is this is uh, starting from the premise of people are going to enjoy watching this movie. And that's the main that's the main thing uh here. And it is, you're so right to note that. Hollywood is seeding some amazing stories to us and the fact that no one had jumped on the Hunter Biden story and the fact that we've interviewed people Lawrence about the film and they they weren't aware that the stuff in it is true like the the vast majority of the plot points are actual true things that happened. they weren't aware of it there's dialogue lifted directly from the laptop from hell from uh, Joe Biden's speeches uh, and people think that they're they're jokes and they are jokes. They're played for laughs in a lot of cases, but they actually happened. And uh, the West has been kept in the dark by our establishment on some of the biggest corruption scandals of our time.
1: Yeah, it's, it's um, it, it, you had Mark Zuckerberg saying on Rogan, but actually he said it in front of a congressional uh, committee, didn't he? Yeah, he said that they'd suppressed this story uh, of the of the laptop. And therefore, um, you know, you, you, we, we're dealing, people don't know this stuff has happened because it's been suppressed by big tech. And if, if you're suppressing stuff that's been, that is factually accurate and, and has been shown to be factually accurate and admitted to be factually accurate, you've basically rigged an election that's what you've done because you've denied people the full information of the candidate that they wanted to choose and this is what's so dangerous about it and this is why it's so important that the film is, is shown and that people get an opportunity to watch it because I think yeah. once, uh, you know a, a persuadable Americans you know in England we've got the same problem which is that People are becoming very tribalized and, and they don't want to talk in the middle. But persuadable Americans should see this and know that the, the man who is running their country basically sold it to China. Yeah. You know, and, and that that is, a, that is a major problem for the West when the leader of the free world and via his son is selling America to China.
0: Yeah, mysonhunter.com. The, the, the movie's out tomorrow. Lawrence Fox, the star who plays Hunter Biden, is on with me. You said something else that I, I just want to emphasize one more time, which is that you talked about how we need to emphasize beauty. And, and you're so right on this. And Robert Davi, the director, did an amazing job of this. It's so slick. It's so uh, well made. Also, the cast looks great, which is just look, people respond to that stuff. Uh, the the star of the film is the film's told through the eyes of a 25-year-old blonde leftist activist. And she's absolutely gorgeous. And it's great to like w- watch the people on film who are excited to it's, like, it's a Hollywood production, Lawrence. And, and that, to me, is what I think is going to really resonate and keep this thing in the conversation. But I do want to turn to your portrayal of Hunter, which I thought was very well done, and I don't want to give away too many spoilers. But there's there's a couple subtle things you did. You did not make him totally detestable. I'm sure that was a a a, a, a your intention. Uh, in some points, he's even semi cool and semi sad in some cases. And you do not portray him as a bumbling idiot, which I think was very intelligent because I don't think Hunter is that. I think I don't think Joe was joking when he said Hunter's the smartest guy he knows. I think Hunter cut all these deals. Um, that actually benefited his entire extended family. It, it, talk to me a little bit about portrayal, not to give too much away, but I want to hear a little bit about what inspired you and your your take on it.
1: Well, I think your first job as an actor is not to judge your character. That's the most important thing. You have to, um, you have to think and find the humanity in them. That's the most important thing. And with him, as you say, he's a very smart guy. And I know a lot of smart people, and, uh, and I know a lot of smart people that do a lot of drugs as well to try and quell some of that smartness. Uh, he's very convincing. I listened to his book rather than reading it because I wanted to hear it from his own mouth. Mm. Um, but, you know, you want to, you want to show a, a guy that is trying to impress his dad, you know? That, yes. That's ultimately what, what he wants to do. And his dad is, you know, he obviously has that very tragic story with Bo and um, which his dad brings up at the most inopportune moments whenever he can for some reason. And then um, and then you've got this, this black sheep child who is trying to trying to do the right thing by his dad. And ultimately it just turns out that the, what he did was so malevolent and so evil. Now I just let the audience do the judging. The actor must just act, the, try and find the humanity in the character.
0: Yeah, and it really grew on me. John James's portrayal of Joe Biden, and I think we're gonna have him on the show later in the week uh, about and not portraying uh, Joe Biden as a total idiot. I think Biden steers into it sometimes. I think he uh, it makes him seem avuncular or something or relatable. Uh, and and these guys are cutting these massive international deals. Uh, they're involved in truly international conspiracy, and uh, they're they've convinced all of us that they're just you know dumb crackheads. Like that's not what it is, is it?
1: No, no, not at all. There's always two sides to the story, and I think John's portrayal of Joe is actually really wonderful because um, he doesn't play this sort of senile old idiot, uh, which is how he's portrayed in you know a lot in the media. Uh, on one side of the media, anyway, uh, he, but he he puts in just just enough for you to 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 go ah, you know, this is a man that's that that, that has a, has quite a dark underbelly as well. You know, certainly yeah. in regards to treatment of women and, and hunters as well, you know. So John, I think John's portrayal of it is very, is, he really makes it for me in a lot of ways because he's such, a, he's such a wonderfully talented actor and also he's so experienced, so it's effortless to him.
0: Uh, Lawrence Fox, again, is the star of My Son Hunter. He plays Hunter Biden, I think, in, incredibly well. I think in an insane world, uh, he would get uh, nominations for awards for the performance. But again, we don't live in that world. It's been a long time. It's been quite a long time. And I want to talk a little bit about your history with cancel culture uh, Gina Carano, whose co-star uh, has been cancelled, you've been cancelled a number of times. Uh, has this affected your career to some degree? Has it made your chain made you make different decisions uh, in your life? Maybe share with the audience some of your personal experience because you've really taken a lot of slings and arrows online.
1: Yeah, I've uh, well, I don't have a career anymore. Is the uh, answer? Um, I was sacked by my agent. I have. Yeah, I mean, I haven't read a script in, you know, that's the first script I read in nearly three years. So it was, you know, I've been completely removed from a successful career and actually didn't hurt. I mean, it hurt, hugely hurt at the beginning. But I refused to, you know, the thing you do with these people who want to cancel you is you, you fight them. You resist them with every single ounce of your being. So I do that. And it's actually just this week that I've started to feel raw, about it, about what, uh, not, not, in a, not in a self-pitying type way, but in a way of um, saying, you know, this, what what happened is completely wrong. It shouldn't happen to me. And it certainly shouldn't happen to anybody. Um, sorry, I'm just opening the door. Uh, it shouldn't happen to, excuse uh, me, it shouldn't happen to anybody. So my mission now to with council culture is to take people without a profile, and i very blessed. I've, I've been very lucky to have to have a profile. But so my job now is to make sure that those people without a voice, who are not heard, are not cancelled as well. Because people are getting cancelled in the UK every single day, in, sure. in tiny shops, in car sales, in you know, in, in every employment opportunity in Britain, people are being cancelled on a daily basis. We've had a guy today in Ireland who has been jailed. And not um, using the appropriate gender pronouns with a kid in school—you know—we're in really, really dangerous territory. Wow, with, with with compelled speech, and and it's an attack on uh, huge attack on uh, religion, Christian values. Which, whether you're a Christian or not, you're the the West was built on those values. So if you undermine them and you destroy them with with essentially, which the communism of cancel culture. Um, we will we will end up in a place that w- makes the deaths of the hundreds of thousands of people who died on the beaches of Normandy absolutely pointless. And I'm just not going to stand by and let that happen. And the, the only way you can deal with these guys who want to come and cancel and finish your career and destroy you and smear you as a racist and any, all of these things that they want to do is you turn around and you stand up to them face-to-face, nose-to-nose, no, no, nose-to-nose.
0: It's an interesting day to have you on because the UK just named a new prime minister, Liz Truss, who is she talked a pretty good game on the campaign trail. I think our expectations are are very low out here in the States, but uh, she recently declared a woman as a woman. And this was seen as a big deal. Lawrence, this was seen as like a big, a a big step in the right direction for some of us. Our standards have gotten that low. Uh, Can you speak to just how woke the UK is and if you have any hopes for Liz Truss?
1: Uh, Liz Truss, I think, is going to be more of the same. The the most important um, appointment that she's going to make is going to be the Education Secretary. Now, we have a woman in the UK called Kemi Badenoch, who is sure. of Nigerian descent. She was an equalities minister and she gave the best speech, I think it went viral around the world, about critical race theory. So whoever she makes education secretary will tell whether they're interested in conservatism because the, these little woke ideologues have been rotting our children's brains for the last 25 years and it's going to take 25 years to undo it and to root it out and get kids back to learning about you know the good things that their forebears have done and not just self-flagellate in the way that um the kids are being taught and, and and not be you know my kids are being taught i did a I made a film about it my, you know some of the stuff my kids are being are being taught in school uh is the same as what's happening in American schools you know there's critical race theory there's gender ideology sure. there, there's there, all of this stuff which is pernicious and divisive and it's um you know it's a cultural import we we have no we have no cultural border. Between the UK and America, whatever you guys come up with, we uh, we sort of get infected with, you know, America coughs, sneezes, England gets a cold, you know, that yeah. that thing. So, so we have we have started up. I've started up a, an organisation called the Bad Law Project. Which is going after the police because our, our police force has been, you know, you, you've got the same problem with the FBI in America now, is a, is completely a political police force. It's not, a, it's not a, a a police force in any way that it should be. So we have started, we've started up a, a legal uh, organization to to. to take back all of the institutions that have been captured by these by the woke people and uh, and put some optimism back in some people's lives you know beauty again something to be hopeful for not just something to hate yourself for
0: yeah and uh, it is the UK does not have the same free speech protections as we have in the United States how much more difficult does this make your life
1: that uh, we really difficult because um, it means that it, it, things can come in very quickly. We're looking at an onla- online harms bill. We're, there's lots of legislation that's coming down the line to criminalise speech. In And you just have to look at the other countries in the Union of Great Britain and the uh, United Kingdom, where Scotland, it is uh, children are being encouraged to report on what their parents say at the kitchen table. So you know, as as hate crimes, we've got um, non-crime hate incidents in the United Kingdom, which are are non exactly what they say, which is a non-crime, but it's a hate incident, which will put you again out of a job. We we, we are at war. That's what we are. We're, it is, and I know people don't like that sort of rhetoric, but this is a, this is a war for the West. That's it. Is, it's a war for our values
0: ideologically certainly I, th- I think we're there it's a matter of what it, what it, what it looks like in terms of how it takes shape if it stays ideological i think people are mixed on whether or not that'll be the case but i want to talk about the reclaim party which is your party uh, what's the point of it and what are your hopes for it going forward
1: well what what we want to do really is we want to make sure that the conservatives are conservative and that's that's our job and um we will, you know, we speak on on a variety of issues that most average conservatives will speak on, but there, you know, the, there is there is right wing wokeery as well. You know, sort of over libertarianism sure. is is can be can have exactly the same side effects as woke uh, stuff. So, you know, the front benches, the, the most powerful people in the Conservative Party, I don't think they're Conservatives, particularly. I think England is, is uh, has become, and Great Britain has become, a country where you have two left-wing parties, one very left-wing party and one quite left-wing party. So it's, you almost have a, a unit party. You don't have a choice. So our job as the Reclaim party is to speak on issues that the conservatives are too frightened to talk about and to then encourage any conservative mp member of parliament who um who is wants to fight and we've done that and we've done it successfully so far but we're we're too small to really you know stand and until this becomes a, a major problem and people have woken up to how serious this problem is of cultural decline, um, I'm not sure we're going to, you know, cultural issues don't score so highly at the ballot box. But they were, they were present in uh, the Tory leadership campaign, which was great. And that was thanks to us.
0: Uh, Lawrence Fox is the actor and star of My Son Hunter. He plays Hunter Biden. He's Laza Fox on Twitter, but uh, yeah, it hasn't been canceled from Twitter yet, which is good. I'm, though I'm, I'm sure that's coming one day soon. Uh, Lawrence, congrats on the film. It's incredible. Mysonhunter.com. dot uh, com. What's one thing? What, what's a favorite part of it that you would want to share with the audience in terms of either the making of it or uh, when you saw it coming together that you think uh, might be might, might, might be compelling.
1: Uh, Will definitely not smoking fake crack because that <laughs> I, my voice <boy, laughs> is, is still is still recovering from all of this time later months later I've still got a pain in my throat even though I've oh been no really bad but the best the best bits uh, for me are the are the central scenes between um, Joe and Hunter as in in in, in the SUV and I, I just. People that I've shown that to just laugh. And what's so funny is that it, it's tragic what they're talking about, but it's funny too, you know. So it's it's that, that mixture of tragic and, um, and comic. Where I think, you know, Darby and, and John certainly brilliantly just allow the film to, to be light and, and take you through it. And, and therefore it should be accessible to everybody because, you know, we should all be working on our sense of humour at this stage.
0: They really did an amazing job making some truly heavy stuff seem light and fun. And I was kind of uh, trying to trying to uh, I, I was processing that as I was going through it. Like this stuff is really kind of heavy, but they're doing it in such a light way that I'm giggling the whole time. Uh, but that's why people should watch it. My son Hunter Lawrence, you're terrific in a lot of ways. So come back whenever you like. We can talk about uh, some other stuff, too.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: It's my pleasure. Of the day today is Mike from Florida. Not only has Mike pre-ordered My Son Hunter, which is Im- immeasurably helpful to us, he also talked about why he switched over to our show, Brightport News Daily on SiriusXM XM Patriot 125, 6 a.m. Eastern for three hours uh, every morning and on the SXM app. Uh, why he switched over to us from Howard Stern. He explains why. I think it's super interesting and probably something many people in the audience are feeling. We just don't always have time to take a call on this particular subject matter. Let's hear from Mike.
2: Alex, a few things before I get to my point. First, I pre-ordered my son Hunter last week. And uh, I'm looking forward to watching it with family and a few like-minded friends. Second, you should know that after a 30-year relationship with Howard Stern, two years ago I dumped him to listen to you every morning. Now to my point, Mike, I've listened to...
0: my Mike, Mike uh, for, first of all, thank you for that. And the pre-ordering helps a lot. I know you guys might not have done this before. I've never pre-ordered a movie, but it does help, and that means a lot to me, and it means a lot of support. Obviously, flipping over from Howard means a lot. Uh, Howard's a legend. I, I do think we do uh, a show that I think is very competitive at this point, uh, but I, uh, it still means a lot as well. But which show is racier now? Because I sometimes feel like with the woke updates and stuff, like he's getting woker, and I'm reporting on the crazy woke stuff. Sometimes I feel like my show is actually an edgier show some
2: days. Well, I, the, the reason I left him was he went from being funny to being a cranky old man once COVID hit. So uh, you're definitely a lot more interesting and entertaining than he is these days. Thank
0: you. It's kind of you to say. Yeah. It's a pr- pr- producer's. Can you clip that and send it to <laughs> Little Boss Greg, Medium Boss Liz, Big Boss Dave? Um, it's a, I, I don't want to bother Scott Greenstein if he's busy, but if you think he'll like it, then send Mike's clip because it could be useful. Thank, thanks again, Mike.
2: Go ahead. You have my permission to use it. Um, Thank you. So now to my point, I've listened to and agreed with the frustration I hear from Republican voters about the lack of a cohesive campaign message from Republican candidates. Uh, Sunday, Burgess Owens was interviewed on Fox, and he mentioned that a campaign platform would be rolled out by the House GOP in a few weeks. Yeah. But I think candidates need uh, to be fighting now. Recently, Ron DeSantis suggested that candidates – should hold Biden accountable for his failures, but they should also say what they would do about the border, about crime, and about right. energy and inflation to correct these problems if they get elected. There's nobody better at messaging than Ron DeSantis. Um, on John Solomon's show a few weeks ago, Newt Gingrich said every candidate should link Joe Biden to their Democrat opponent. For example, Herschel Walker should call it the Biden Warnock ticket. Yeah, and perhaps the I like best. That. Yeah. 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 And uh, perhaps the best example of how to articulate the difference between Republicans and Democrats has been the direct and passionate points made by Stephen Miller in several recent interviews. It's time for the GOP to take off the gloves.
0: Yeah, I um, the, you're citing the right people. I mean, these are all people who I think are are really expert messaging wise. And uh, Mike, are you satisfied with the Republican messaging at this point? Because this is something that's just sort of crept up on me over the last few days, and I talk about it quite a bit on. Uh, during the shows last week, uh, that uh, the chickens are coming home a little bit for Republicans here because they had gotten away with uh, Biden is bad as their key messaging point for the last year and a half, and Trump got hosed. Biden is bad. Trump got hosed. Biden is bad, and they've been able to basically seem like it was inevitable. There was going to be a red wave, and which was never the case because the Senate map was always really bad for for the Republicans. It's always going to be really hard and now that it just seems like they've lost some momentum and you know, some of some of it's probably overblown, and I do per, still predict a good November for Republicans, but I'm not satisfied with their messaging. I don't think that they've done enough to really isolate for the American people, for those moderate and low information voters, uh, to explain that Joe Biden's the guy behind all of this. The Democrat Party is the guy behind all of our struggles right now. It feels like I just have not seen it in a clear enough way, and I want to get your thoughts.
2: Well, uh, I think what you're seeing is there isn't a group uh, messaging going on yet. Uh, Guys like J.D. Vance have got it. Uh, You know, I listened to him on your show and other shows recently, and he's going after Tim Ryan the way I think all Republicans should go after their opponents. But uh, the the thing is, and and that's what Ron DeSantis impressed upon me, is you've got to say what you're going to do after you've— hold biden and the democrats accountable and that's what uh contract with america did this is what we're going to do in a positive way and i was hoping and i know a lot of your callers uh were hoping that the gop would get on this much earlier in the process yeah me too the idea that they're coming out in the next few weeks with a platform i know october's the big month but it's it's a little too late i got american
0: many thanks to Nico, who helped produce the show, in for Zach. Greg Eben is our executive producer. Robert Marlowe helps me pick topics. And all of you who went to MySonHunter.com can't thank you enough. Tomorrow's a big day. Those of you who are catching the show when it's fresh, we'll talk to you tomorrow.